0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 5
1: of The Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. I'm James. Season 5, huh? Can you believe it? Uh, I was trying to think of what was happening on Season 5 of, like, my favorite TV shows. (laughs) Uh, The Wire invented a serial killer, a fake Uh serial killer.
0: Well, The Wire was just coming off maybe their best season. Yes. So we've got big shoes to Uh, fill.
1: I'm hoping that we peak here rather than previously. (laughs) Um, the Golden Girls was excellent, as always, in season five.
0: Well, listen, Grey's Anatomy is still out here going, so... Mm-hmm.
1: In, like, season 26 or
0: something. Maybe we'll be in syndication on Netflix pods and, in 15 and then, years. What is that? <laughs> it's yet to be invented. Like a virtual reality kind of thing? What are we going to do this episode? Well, first, I want to reflect a little bit on the fact that we are in season five. Like, that, that's crazy to me. I don't want to take that for granted,
1: Especially as far as the listeners are concerned. Mm -hmm. We're very thankful for the support. Some of you have been here since the beginning of season one, which is crazy. You've listened to us 144 times already. At some points, up to 90 minutes in one go. How do you do it? You're like the lambs who've been around since
0: emotions and vision of love. (laughs) (laughs) You've been through the eras and the changes. Mm -hmm. We want to let you know that we're still committed. We're still doing the show. You can look forward to us all throughout 2019. We are still out here, older, less wise. Less Uh. wise? (laughs) I feel like that's the one thing that's getting better for me. Wisdom. Good,
1: good. good. Everything else. (laughs) uh, Less disciplined.
0: (laughs) Well, we're back with tennis. It's now January 6th as we record,
1: and week one was a lot. I cannot believe that Serena in Venus played in Abu Dhabi, a, what, like a week and a half ago? It feels like months and months have gone by. When I look at the calendar, the, the season has only been around for a week. And it feels like everything happened in a week. People were starved. I mean, I was enjoying my time off from tennis. It admittedly took me a lot to, to click back in. You know, I was really savoring the time that we had off. And so you really got got, because <laughs> there was a lot to catch up on yeah.
0: for you this week. We had seven winners. Sabalenka won in Shenzhen, Gergis won in Auckland, Pliskova and Nishikori won in Brisbane, Kevin Anderson in Pune, Bautista Agut in Doha, and the Swiss team of Roger Federer and Belinda Bencic defended their Hotman Cup title. Mm-hmm.
1: Beat another dream team. Angie and Sasha from Germany. A repeat of last year's final.
0: So we're going to do a little bit of a a recap of the first week, not too in-depth, and we're going to deal with a couple of issues that kind of happened since the last time we were on air, and then get to the listener mailbag that we solicited ahead of this, this episode.
1: Let's start with Venus Williams. We'll talk a little bit more later about the changes that she's gone through in the past few weeks, but... Or changes that she's instigated <laughs> yes but she's cleaning house. certainly uh certainly not a passive figure no. in this change venus came out scheduled to play victoria azarenka in the first round in auckland one of her favorite cities in the world loves the tournament doesn't mind the wind and she seemed like a different person from last year there's something about playing down under that just uh puts kind of a, a twinkle in her eye that we have not seen in a long time
0: since January 2017, I tweeted that and people are like, oh, don't jinx it, don't jinx it. I was thinking <laughs> it, but don't jinx it. She looked refreshed. I imagine a big part of it is her body feeling better
1: mm-hmm. after
0: having had time off since the US Open. Because she didn't really look healthy for the, ma- the majority of 2018.
1: No, but I have to say that I was surprised at how well she was playing because it seemed like in the off season she didn't do that much training. <laughs> I guess maybe... She has been out here for so long that she knows, well, my body just needs a rest. I need to have some fun. I need to go out to a club. Many clubs. Hang out with (laughs) other famous people and just chill. And maybe that's what she needed in the offseason. She said in one of her
0: on-court interviews after winning in Auckland that one of her goals for 2019 is to get a life. (laughs) And then right. she solicited friendships from the crowd for them to yeah, be, slide up into her DMs. Be
1: careful about that. If if only all of us could have as boring life as Venus Williams. So she served surprisingly well against Vika. Zero double faults. Mm-hmm. When
0: was the last time Venus Williams won a three-set match, any match for that matter, without serving a double fault? Right. Her first serve still wasn't clicking in the 190s. There weren't big, booming first serves. It seemed a little bit... Conservative as far as perhaps the lack of double faults was a strategy. You know, I, I don't know at this point if it's like body related, like her body limits her from being able to serve big as we've seen her in the past, or if this was a strategy, but either way it was working.
1: Mm-hmm. I found myself watching her last year and just saying, just get it in. It, I don't even care how fast the first serve is, just get it in because in some matches, the percentage was so low, there was just zero rhythm on her end. She gets through Azarenka
0: in three sets. This after Azarenka lost the first set, came back like a freight train in the second, and had the momentum in the third. It, it I mean, Venus ended up doing it, but it seemed like maybe too much of an ask for Venus to be able to stem that big of a tide. But she did it. Tell me about this match against Andreescu, though. What do you want to know?
1: What the hell?
0: (laughs) Listen, I knew that Bianca was going to be a handful for Venus because I'm here to tell you, we know one of the big stories of week one was Bianca Andreescu's breakthrough in Auckland. Believe me, it made big news in Canada. I had people who don't give a fuck about tennis coming up to me Mm -hmm. at work and in all places asking about, tell me about Bianca Andreescu. Like, this is amazing. Like, it, it legitimately surprised me how much she penetrated the new cycle mm-hmm. but watching her you got the sense that the hype that you'd heard about her for all this time was very much warranted warranted in that there's very little that Andreescu cannot do on a tennis court I was particularly impressed by how she was able to mix up her game when she started against Wozniacki that was the first big win that she had in this event Right away, she was giving these high topspin balls to Wozniacki. Not the moon ball kind of stuff, stuff with lots of revolution on the ball. Mm. She's able to hit flat on both wings, big forehand, big backhand. The serve can get a little bit wobbly here and there, but still good power. But within the points, she's able to, if needed, hit a slice forehand, a slice backhand, and not have it peg her on the back foot within the point. It's incredible that she has this much dexterity in her game at 18. It's almost as if, at times, she has too many options. Too many good options. So to your question as to what happened against Venus, heading into that match, I was like, well, damn. Like, Venus is playing well, but... Like, this is... You know how it is when somebody catches fire. Like, you feel this momentum building from the start of the week. She qualified for this event. She already had, what, two, three matches under her belt, coming fresh off of beating Wozniacki. And Venus... Still untested this year because she hasn't played a tournament since the U.S. Open. In that first set, neither player was playing that well. Venus was able to to take advantage of a few more errors from Andreescu and pull that out. I think seven one in the tiebreak, and then immediately breaking the second set. So at that point, you know, Venus fans were were feeling like pretty settled at that point.
1: <laughs> as settled as Venus fans you know, ever. Do. She won
0: a tiebreak seven one. What? Up a set and a break, and then it just went downhill. Andreescu, she's able to make full use of those coaching timeouts because her and her coach had some wonderful, affirming moments all week. And she just came back in full gear and won, what, 11 straight games? Ended up being up 6-1, winning the second set 6-1, and then 5-love serving for the match at 5-love, I believe, before Venus eventually got it back to 5-3, and then Andreescu won the match. I also want to point out that Venus wasn't playing terribly in losing those last two sets. She certainly wasn't playing as well as she had up to that point, but this wasn't just Venus going away. It, it got me thinking that watching Venus in these matches, even when she's struggling and the results aren't necessarily in her favor, you very rarely see her get blown out. Mm-hmm. She's almost always competitive and there or thereabouts. When was the last time she got fully blown Well. <laughs> the no. US Open, her Blah. last tournament. But you, you get my point. Like, this is why we get so many three-set matches from Venus. Andreescu eventually gets to the final where she loses to the defending champion, Julia Gerges, who herself came very close to losing, having to save match points against Jeanne Bouchard in the quarterfinals. This is this first week had a lot. One of the things that happened was Jeannie Bouchard having a bit of a resurgent first week, making the quarterfinals, pushing Gerges deep into three sets, having a lead in the third set, and then going on to win her first doubles title. Elsewhere, what else was of note?
1: Kei Nishikori snapped a nine-final losing streak in -hmm. Brisbane, beating Daniel Medvedev.
0: Nishikori is one of those players that if he's healthy, he's easily top five all year round. Like, there's no doubt about it. Wouldn't you say? Top five? Top five, top six. That's maybe a stretch. Top ten, sure. Mm, I think he's better than that. Like he has, when he's on song, he is a beauty to watch, and it's encouraging that straight away in twenty nineteen he's able to get this kind of result, winning the tournament with a plum, wouldn't you say? Mm.
1: The uh, the women's titleists this week were all big serving, huge hitters: Gerges, Pliskova, and Sapolenka. In Pune, we had the tallest ATP final in history, and probably the biggest serving between Kevin Anderson and Ivo Karlovich, who must be 40 by now. 39. 39. <laughs> he, I think he
0: set the record for being the oldest ATP semifinalist, and I guess finalist, mm. definitely since Jimmy Connors. I don't know how much further back.
1: So that match obviously went to three tie breaks. Karlovich had zero break chances on Anderson's serve. Anderson had eight, but converted zero, clearly, on, on Karlovich's serve. That must have been maybe not the most riveting match to watch. If you just tuned in for the tie breaks, maybe. Anderson clearly
0: is here to stay because he's not having a let-up after his breakout 20 what 2018 season. Right away, he's winning a title. His profile is elevated so much within yeah. the game with all the stuff that he's doing off the court. He He obviously has a very stable foundation within his camp with his wife being with him what was her diary she was a tour wife chronicles or something for the changeover a while back Mm -hmm. she uh is very well known within tennis circles she seems to be a a much needed stabilizing force for for a tennis player of that stature you know i I don't know if Mm -hmm. she gets enough credit and a business manager yeah an accountant as well she does the the accounting we listened to that episode on wortham's podcast where she came on to talk about the ins and outs of doing taxes as a tennis player, making money all around the world. Uh, so good for Kevin and good for Kelsey. And uh, Lady, what's her name? Lady Katie is their dog. <laughs> this first week saw a lot of familiar names. Anderson winning again. Sabalenka winning again after her strong late summer into fall. Gurgis, Pliskova had a good fall as well. And then we also had folks who were on the comeback. Reva made a semifinal. She's back inside the top 100 for the first time in six years, making the semifinals in Shenzhen. Ernest Gulbis had a good run in Doha. Vavrinka won a couple matches. Mari won a match. There was the old guard, the new guard, and the comebacks.
1: It was such a packed week that Bautista Agut beating number one Djokovic was maybe like the eighth or ninth most popular story of the week. It's shocking how little it even registered. He also beat Stan Wawrinka, who was kind of resurgent in Doha this week. It's great to see RBA back um, after losing both his parents last season. Yeah, he, that's... Soft. Yeah. He won a 500 title in Dubai last year. The Gulf states obviously are a, a good place for him to play. Other
0: things that happened in the first week, Rafa played a lot in Brisbane, just not an actual match. <laughs> he withdrew shortly before his first round match. Which was set well, second round he got a bye, which was set to be against Songa. We were very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Citing a slight hamstring strain, and he said that his doctors advised him not to play so as to not make it a long term thing. Because mm-hmm. if you recall, he's coming off of ankle surgery in the off season, he's had wrist problems in the past, knee problems in the past. It was clear that his thinking was it's not worth it.
1: Well, I guess it could have developed into a tear. But he was practicing quite a bit for Mm -hmm. being injured. What are you trying to say? (laughs) I'm not trying to imply anything. I just get a little nervous when a player pulls out for an apparent injury and then practices so much. Just like, can you just chill for a few days? No, well, I think the issue
0: here and him, people was like, well, why is he practicing? If he's not fit enough to play, why is he practicing? To my mind, it made... More, it made sense and was more assuring, reassuring than anything else. Seeing him still being able to practice mm, because yeah. it it backs up what he said that it was a slight thing. There's an entirely different toll that playing live matches takes on your body than than practice. Even just the tenseness of high stakes points, especially in your hammies, it it causes a lot of of stress. Don't, don't say hammy. <laughs> I don't know, that grossed me out. <laughs> the hamstrings tighten up a lot. And so you're able to move so much more freely in practice. Right. It, made, it makes sense to me.
1: And at age 31...
0: 32. No. 32? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's
1: true. Who is expecting any player of his age and his status to break his body in hardcore 250s? As wonderful as Brisbane is as a tournament, you're not going to risk... The Australian Open for this, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, we have
0: his history now of withdrawals
1: and not being able to finish
0: in hard court tournaments. Yes, it doesn't paint a story per se, but it it is it isn't it is interesting. It's kind of a wild stat.
1: Yeah, because you can read this point, it, you can read wild. it a few different ways, though. Yeah, but one of them the the more charitable view is that he has actually attempted to start many of these tournaments that he probably had no business starting at all
0: mm-hmm. the temptation is to try and extrapolate and make judgments on the state of his career with respect to hard courts right right now, right which i don't think rafa is intent on not playing hard courts or cutting back he says he's gonna play a different kind of schedule this year so maybe he won't play as many hard court mm-hmm. tournaments but absolutely will he not be skipping hard court events you know i think a lot right. of this is unfortunate and um by circumstance?
1: Yeah, but I, like in the future, I'm not going to grudge a player for skipping tournaments to try to extend their career. We have been on the record with Federer. He can play whatever schedule he'd like. Whatever keeps him in the game long enough and to play at an excellent level, that is his decision. I would say the same for anybody.
0: Maria Sharapova in Shenzhen.
1: Yes. So Maria won her first, what, two matches? Well, she won one and a half matches.
0: The oh. second one was <laughs> still, still up in the air when her opponent retires. Yes,
1: So she's up against Wang Jinwu in Shenzhen and Wang retires with an injury. And Maria goes over and sits next to her at her chair and comforts her and says, you know, if you keep playing like this, you're going to be number one. And it was all very sweet, wonderful sportsmanship. Obviously, the Shara family was out in spades. Big up your player, definitely, because that's not something you see every day. But the comparisons to other players is just not, it's not on. Because, don't get it twisted, this is like a first. (laughs) (laughs) It's very out of character for Maria. You know? Oh my god. It is. We're we're gonna have a
0: segment later on where we're complaining about (laughs) fandoms. And you're doing the same thing here.
1: No, I'm not. I'm saying this was a wonderful thing that she did. It looks great. For tennis, mm-hmm, but it's classy, wonderful sportsmanship. But you want to remind us about and Just wanted to remind you that it's not something that she really does, like ever. And a
0: specific incident where she didn't do that. Yeah,
1: so one of my, really one of my favorite, least favorite all time tennis moments is when Tatiana Golovan busted up her ankle like bad, like really bad. It's like she stepped on her ankle. Can you imagine what that looks like? Yes. Yeah. So she's on the ground screaming and Maria just turns her back and starts practicing her, her shots like Marion Bartoli <laughs> while she's getting the ankle wrapped. It was like it was a horrible. Obviously, she has grown a lot since then. This must have been in like 2006 mm-hmm. or something. But you see how it works. People grow and yes. then mature and I'm doing what I criticize other people for doing because I'm bringing up this thing that happened mm-hmm. over ten years ago what about that one time over
0: yeah. back at the US Open mm-hmm. in 2011 so this back was back in the US
1: Open this was just an illustration of what not to do mm-hmm. so it's a teachable moment exactly not a shady moment for me
0: okay <laughs> hmm we'll see how that permeated through the airwaves and how that was received mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, and I do not mean this sarcastically, Maria had to retire against Irina Sabalenka in the next round after she beat Wang. The, the shoulder seems to be giving her problems. Unfortunately, she just hasn't been able to get back-to-back matches that frequently lately because her body is not allowing to her to. So I'm really curious to see where Maria's career goes from here because I think it's pretty touch-and-go body-wise.
0: Hmm. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is Francis Tiafoe the worst doubles player in history? <laughs>
1: that is so rude. Uh, do not. Do not join the army in tearing down Francis. Good Francis. He uh, he wasn't good. It was.
0: Listen, the army is prone to hyperbole. Mm-hmm. And prone to being mean-spirited. And while we don't need to be tagging Tiafoe no, in these tweets. Definitely not. This was some of the most shocking doubles play I have ever seen (laughs) in my life. Like it was, it was unreal. I think that's not dramatic. You you did not watch it. You didn't watch it. No, I
1: barely watched any. So I'm here to tell you it was that bad. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that people are big mad about it is just perplexing to me because this is an exhibition tournament. It's supposed to be fun. Like Serena is just, it's a hit and giggle, right? Serena is just using it to practice some strokes, have a good time, probably bring up some good feelings ahead of the Australian Open. Like this is not her serious training out of this major. So just chill, it's not a big deal.
0: Part of that is true. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are no stakes, really. Right. There's some money you can win, but there's no real stakes. That is true. Mm-hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not going on her win-loss and record. And she doesn't
1: play a warm-up tournament to the Australian no. Open. But, don't get it twisted,
0: Serena wants to win. And <laughs> Serena is trying to win, and she took this very seriously in her in her play. She came back to win a couple matches in three sets. She was not just, you know, tossing serves in or not moving to the ball, like stretched out wide, you know, because, oh, it's just an exhibition. This was very much her getting into Australian open mode. Like, this was important. Mm-hmm. And you could tell in moments that she wasn't necessarily impressed.
1: <laughs> uh, Frances would like to play with her next year. I don't know if I see that happening. Serena is so competitive, though, that she is going to give it her all, even in, a, in an exhibition like this especially since she was playing mixed doubles against the legend, Roger Federer. Like, she wants to ace him, period. Like, that is goal number one for her.
0: Let's just get into the Hotman Cup business here, because this could be the last staging of this event.
1: It could be, and that's curious, right? There's a lot of uncertainty about the future of this tournament, about Brisbane, about even ATP tournaments in India and Doha. Nobody knows what's happening next year. So that's concerning to me. Just a bit of background on what the Hopman Cup is, and this is from Ben Rothenberg's recent piece in the New York Times about these changes. So the Hopman Cup is actually funded by the Tourism Board in Western Australia. It's managed by Tennis Australia, but it's a, an official ITF tournament. It's their official mixed team competition every year. So Tennis, as usual, has a lot of confusing layers to it as far as governance, but Tennis Australia and the ITF have a stake, but WA Tourism is what actually pays for it. So Dave Haggerty, the head of the ITF, said that he expects Tennis Australia to honor its commitment and manage Hopman Cup through 2022. However, what's happening on the ATP level is muddying the waters in a big way. So this ATP... Team Cup is going to be in the first week of 2020. We already know that. Ben reported that Ross Hutchins from the ATP board was scouting the Perth Arena as a possible location, which is where they play Hopman Cup during the same week. So we don't know exactly what's going to be happening with Hopman Cup, but it would be not surprising if it didn't happen next year. And the other thing that surprised me is that this week, so we have... On the ATP side, Brisbane, Doha, and Pune, the ATP has already said clearly that only one of those events will survive. So I don't know which one that is, but two ATP events will be cancelled for this ATP Cup thing. When Dave Haggerty says that he expects Tennis
0: Australia to honor the commitment to the Hotman Cup through 2022, maybe that means that it'll come back in another part of the schedule. I don't know. Or at a later date, it just seems kind of tragic at this point that this event that is one of the few that adds a unique texture to the tennis landscape is the one to get the boot Mm -hmm. i've seen some folks say okay y'all y'all are doing too much because in years past when the Hopman cup was on y'all weren't talking about it y'all didn't give a fuck about the Hopman cup but now y'all got stuff to say
1: so what so (laughs) but look at the headlines this year made outside of tennis like it wasn't from people who are mad that Hopman cup is going away It was interesting to mainstream press because Serena and Federer are playing. But these opportunities abound. It's not just this year. This year, of course, was kind of a a once-in-a-lifetime thing with these two facing off in mixed doubles, which has never happened. But it's a unique experience every year. It's something that we don't see outside of the Olympics. You're able to attract top players
0: to play this event. Mm -hmm. You're able to get the top men and top women playing each other. When they do arrive, it's unique. And while it's, I guess, a glorified exhibition, look how many others of those we have that we'd gladly give up that don't add anything. Mm-hmm. Like with Labour Cup, seeing Rafa and Roger on the same team, that's unique and fun, playing doubles together, fun. But the rest of it, what's
1: terribly unique yeah. about the Labour really? Cup? Watching Jack Sock and John Isner play singles? Like, nobody's here for that. Jack Sock Who's and... Who's buying tickets for that?
0: Sock and Kyrgios being all buddy-buddy, like, douche broy together, like, that's not fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, some people find it fun, Jonathan. <laughs> anyway. The point is, so Dave Haggerty can say all he wants, that he expects Tennis Australia to honor their commitment and host Hup and Cup. But Dave Haggerty has been railroaded by the ATP every which way this year. Has he not? The Davis Cup proposal went through the ATP first, and the ITF was initially resistant. This is like a year ago. What's his face, PK took it to the ATP first. So now the ITF changed Davis Cup, the ATP got its way. Now the ATP says, we want this ATP team cup thing in the beginning of January, which almost no one understands. 100% of people don't understand what the point of it is. And Dave Haggerty is just there holding the bag again. But who really suffers is the WTA, who, while completely locked out of negotiations, at the same time looks powerless. And they look like they don't know what the hell's going on, because it's possible that they don't.
0: We actually have some breaking news that we can talk about right now (laughs) as we're recording, uh, because we just got some news regarding the Hotman Cup and ATP Cup and all the, the scheduling regarding next January that's currently up in the air.
1: Tennis Australia announced that the ATP Team Cup will be hosted in Brisbane and Sydney, with a third city to follow. Which could be Perth, which is where the Hotman Cup is currently. Or it could be Adelaide,
0: supposedly. I mean, all these questions now. Like, Even if it's not Perth, if it's Adelaide, the timing of it, does that That really diminishes the Hotman Cup. Are all the top,
1: I, I top men so. going to come to that event? right and there are apparently some questions about whether you know certain countries wouldn't be able to field a team because they wouldn't have players ranked high enough two players ranked high enough so someone like Grigor Dimitrov from Bulgaria who is he going to play alongside in the ATP Cup yes mm. the Brisbane women's event will remain apparently that's that's already been decided uh, but what kind of effect it has on the various tennis tournaments in the Australian summer that used to be the entree to the Australian Open, that remains to be seen. Tennis Australia is making this big push about, you know, the money it will dump into the economy and how it'll bring more attention to the Australian summer. I thought they already had that pretty well on lock. I mean, they had a whole month. For
0: Keep in mind, let's not be greedy here, for decades, top (laughs) stars didn't even go to Australia,
1: period. Right. Like, people are coming, folks. <laughs> I think the question now really is, who cares? Mm. Why should we care about this cup? Uh, mm. I, I care so little that I'm not really interested in learning the logistics, the rules, who's going to play, what the format is. I don't care. There's definitely oversaturation. Yeah.
0: At the end of the day, not to be uh, cliche, but again, it reeks, just like with Piquet and Davis Cup, It reeks of somebody just making money at the expense of Mm. other people. (sighs) This is something to keep an eye on in 2019. See how this shakes out. Now you know where we stand. (laughs) Hashtag save Hotman Cup. Injury watch in tennis, we told you that Rafa pulled out of Brisbane, still hopes to play the Australian Open. Seems, I mean, on track to with all the practicing Mm. that he was doing. Mostly unencumbered, even in spite of withdrawing from the event. Andy Murray played in Brisbane, won a match, eventually lost his second match. His doctor was interviewed and said that, you know, this surgery wasn't to relieve the pain entirely. Like, that's not going to happen. It it reduced the pain, but he still has pain in his hip. And it's something he's just going to have to deal mm-hmm. with. And the way Andy's been out here talking to press and on social media, it sounds like he's in, like, swan song mode.
1: What... I was really alarmed by one of his interviews on court that, I mean, we know that being back in tennis means a lot to him, but he seems very uncertain about the future of his career and how long he's going to be out here. Similar to what Joe Songa said a few days ago about, I don't know how many years or months I will continue to play. But then he went out and played an excellent match against Alex Diemenauer. And made the semifinals. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what to think. I think that... The fact that Andy is still in pain is very, very alarming to me. He didn't have a full replacement, which I guess would alleviate the pain, but then you also have the risk of not returning to that level ever again.
0: Mm -hmm. Del Potro announced that he won't be playing the Australian Open, and that he's not yet fully recovered from his injury at the end of last year, and that he'll keep us posted as to when he does make a return. But he's on mm. social media showing us his practices, he's... all that stuff. <laughs> he
1: seems happy. He seems on track. But I, a broken kneecap is a broken kneecap. You know, it takes time.
0: Who was also back this week from a long injury layoff, Tomáš Berdych, And made the final. And how? Final right? in Doha, losing to uh, Bautista Agut. Some other stuff that happened in the offseason.
1: Well, the Christmas season was a busy one. It, it didn't seem like tennis had much of a break at all. Between Instagram photos, um, every player and their mother was in the Maldives. And Is Kuznetsova done with her offseason vacationing yet? Because
0: she seems to be still in vacation mode. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, where is Sveta?
1: Right? She is serving St. Petersburg Elite Madam. Where on does Instagram. she get the time to pose for all these photo shoots? I I mean, is it even a photo shoot or does she just look that good on an iPhone (laughs) camera?
0: (laughs) Her Instagram is
1: one to absolutely follow. The Australian Open has announced that they have instituted a tie break in the fifth set or the final set of every match in the Australian Open. This means that every Grand Slam tournament now has a different scoring system, which is interesting. There was a time very recently, where three of them had the same. What this means is that in the deciding set of any match, women's or men's, so it could be third or fifth, that at six games all, there will be a 10-point tiebreak to decide the match. This is distinct from the US Open, that where at six games all, they have a traditional tiebreak, the first to seven points. Wimbledon introduced a tiebreak at 12 games all, and the French Open still has traditional scoring.
0: I'm not that war- I'm not that fired up mm-hmm. about this. Like- I'm
1: not. No, and the reason I'm not is because players are the ones should be who should be driving this. If if this protects player health, I think it's a good thing. It's not. It's not revolutionary, right? Like the U.S. Open is a Grand Slam tournament that has had a final set tiebreak for a long time, and it hasn't ruined the sport. What I'm a little concerned about is that. They said they did the most extensive player consultation in the tournament's history and we have number two Nadal and number four Zverev saying that they didn't know anything about it. Nobody ever talked to them. So if that is true, I have to wonder how extensive the consultation was. Zverev is a real traditionalist in a lot of senses. He's very against the Davis Cup changes and he's vehemently against this tiebreak institution at the Australian Open. Well, you know what? When some slams
0: get deeper into slams, your profile will be higher. You can then drive those changes.
1: Right. It, it's actually something I uh, that kind of endears me to Zverev is that he isn't afraid to share these strong opinions about preserving what he sees as kind of the purity of the game, right? It's not something that we're always going to agree on, but, but I, I like it. The rub here is that the women's side is affected... By default. Right, because... A lot of WTA fans have said, well, we have these classic women's matches at the Australian Open going to like 18-16 in the third set. Sveta right. And recently with Simona Halep last year. Mm-hmm. But as you remember, I mean, Simona was wiped from some of those long matches. And I don't know. I mean, I can I can definitely see both sides here.
0: By the time you've gotten to a final set super tiebreak, you have gotten your fill. As a tennis fan, uh, right? you know, what more could you reasonably want when compared to the long-term health of players? You know, I just, the game being increasingly physical, the game being increasingly hot, the globe being increasingly hot. That's mm-hmm. something that folks have reached out to us on multiple times. Can you talk about global warming more and climate change on the show with respect to how it's affecting tennis? Right,
1: and how it will in the, in the long term. Yeah, and so and while it's something that we will. Uh, I think we just need to be more diligent about doing research before we do. Which is to say, we believe in climate change. <laughs> well, it's not really a matter of believing. No, it's I know, but like, you made it seem
0: like well, we need to do our research. Oh, and, oh God! And find out where we sit on the no, side of this. No, not like fence. a politician.
1: I'm just saying I don't want to share my opinion unless it is properly supported. Yeah, you know.
0: Because it's not enough to say, like, yeah, we believe in climate change, like, then then what? What is... (laughs) Like, what's the commentary after that? Like, oh, yeah, it sucks. So, uh, would there be as much outrage if it were just a classic tiebreak? I don't
1: think so. So, like... I I don't know. It's not like
0: they're bringing Fast 4 to the
1: end of this match. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? The deciding set is Fast 4 always. Oh my god. I just I hesitate to weigh in because I feel like players should be the ones leading these discussions. Mm. I don't think that the Australian Open owes it to fans to keep these five, six hour matches in the heat. Venus Williams in this offseason, the end of
0: twenty eighteen, fired her coach, her hitting partner, her boyfriend, (laughs) he got the boot.
1: And she put her house up for sale in Florida. Mm-hmm. The house that she and Serena lived in for a long time. She cleaned house. Uh, literally. This is Angela Bassett throwing all of her <laughs> husband's clothes into his car and burning it. Except without the revenge factor. This is Mariah with
0: a bunch of your things outside the kitchen window.
1: Mm-hmm. This is to the left, to, to the, the left. Le- exactly. <laughs> Venus, I mean... <laughs> Talk about, uh, like, there were no baby steps here. This is the baby out with the bathwater.
0: Listen, she don't got no time. She's pushing 39. (laughs) She don't got time for gradual changes. She's like, I'm feeling something different within myself. Y'all are not here with me on this Mm -hmm. path. I need to do something different. It has to happen now. I can't wait.
1: Yeah. So it took how many years for her to even admit that David Witt was her coach? Remember, he was, he was hitting partner forever, forever. And Richard Williams was Venus's coach, even mm. though Richard didn't travel anymore. So people have asked us, like, who do you think Venus will hire as a coach, if anyone? And I would be surprised at her age if she hired a coach at all. I think she'll have hitting partners. She'll get advice from hitting partners. And that's it. I think she is a very independently minded person. And you've seen it. David Witt said on live television that Venus does not take his advice on certain things, right? Like, maybe that was the last draw. We have no idea. I was shocked that a coach of a Elder Williams, because, you know, the younger Williams coach will say anything mm-hmm. he wants, but Venus, who is so, so private, that her coach would say that.
0: Listen, maybe Venus, at the end of the year, got her ledgers together, looked at her books, <laughs> and... uh felt that she was spending too much and getting too little in return <laughs> from the property yeah. tax. You know, she has a from the coaching fees. <laughs> she went to business school, right? P- paying for dinners for the boyfriend. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Flying him to come see. Her. I don't know. So
1: these these liabilities are adding up. <laughs> the assets are not outweighing them. <laughs> in other very bad
0: news in the off season,
1: we've been talking about the ATP governance. Quite a bit since the whole Gimelstab fiasco. The most recent problem is that Sergei Stokovsky has been re-elected to the ATP Players Council after Stefano Travaglia left. Like, the ATP just cannot seem to get it right. And at some point you just have to understand, maybe not accept, but understand that this is who they are. Stakovsky is the type of person they want around. Well, they want somebody who is going to
0: be a representative of the players in the nether region of the rankings, which is where he is,
1: where he's been the majority of his career. I actually didn't know he was still playing. All T, all shade.
0: (laughs) That said, he is not the one.
1: (laughs) Right, but I I almost can't even bring myself to care at this point because a choice like this makes it very clear that the ATP Players Council will not rule on Gimelstab at all. Like, they're fine with having him around. This is who they are. And uh, some of the more, well, shall I say, empathetic players on the Players' Council, like Djokovic and Anderson. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I'm curious as to how they voted. Because they can talk about being allies and being progressive, but like you have to put your money where your Has mouth is. Has there been a vote? Well, yeah, there was a vote to elect him on the board. I don't know how everyone Oh, I thought we were talking ruled. about Gimelstab here. Oh, Sorry. we have no idea about okay. Gimelstab. No, I don't know if there was a vote we were told there was going to be a conference call that week that we uh, we did our Stop episode and, and nothing ever came of it. So I have to assume that it was at least talked about.
0: We have a few wishes for the 2019 season and uh, <laughs> the through line, the major through line for both of us intersects on one specific issue and it has to do with Serena's fans
1: continually
0: coming for Naomi Osaka,
1: still. Yeah, yeah. It is so, so tiresome at this point, because to this day, the only thing that they are legitimately mad about is that one press conference where she jokingly said, there's tea, and someday I'll spill it. Which, first of all, we don't even know what she meant, if she was joking, if there is in fact tea at all. And and since then, she has gone about her business. They, they like to talk a lot about how she's a victim, like she's playing a victim and she's playing it up. This is kind of who she was before.
0: Yeah. You know? One, you were not paying attention to who she was before this whole thing. Because this is who she's been the entire time. She has not changed. Two, you all fell victim to this Sports Illustrated tweet sometime in November that presented that spill the tea business as fresh news. Right. When it was like a month after the fact. And that riled y'all up. To be like, oh, here she goes talking out her mouth again and blah, blah, blah. Naomi has said nothing. She has said nothing. She's continued to be her typical self-deprecating, all shucks kind of quirky personality. Which is who she's always been. If your position is you don't like her, that's fine. That's That's totally valid. Nobody's out here trying to get you to like Naomi Osaka. But you're not doing your research. You do not have the receipts. You are out here being mean and vindictive to somebody for reasons that aren't entirely clear and are definitely not valid.
1: Again, if you don't like her, that's fine. But why are you tearing down another black woman to prop up a different black woman? Like, why, why can't they just coexist?
0: Mm-hmm. It- and what it boils down to is it's a, it, there's prostitute from Serena losing this final. There's prostitute from all the fallout that happened to Serena. And we covered it all. We did the entire episode about this whole thing, right? And we get that. We we you can go back and listen to that episode. We stand by those things. We see you with those things. However, the fact is Serena lost that match. The fact is Naomi played exceptionally well in that match. Naomi did not do anything to cause the fallout from that match.
1: Right. So like but like be so be mad at Sasha. Uh-huh. Be mad at Patrick, yes. be mad at Carlos Ramos, like...
0: Be mad at Pam?
1: I am. I'm <laughs> mad at all those people. And Serena's anger is something that I get and that I even support. But I, what I don't get is going after Naomi personally, tagging her, and then gaslighting and say, I don't know why she blocked me, she's so sensitive, when you've called her all these names and tagged her in it.
0: Like it's just silly and stupid because you didn 't call her the worst of the names uh, that you've called right. other people like <laughs> right. but she should be thankful she's so precious and delicate <laughs> uh it is it is wild i i I expected the follow from the u s open to carry into twenty nineteen not in this regard
1: mm. but then on the flip side, so I want that to stop, but I also want to st- all of these non tennis people to bring up Serena's name. In any context where people are upset. So anytime they hear the name Naomi Osaka, people are bringing up... Well, Serena still needs to apologize to her. Like, shut up. Just let it go. How do you know they haven't had a conversation between them? You don't know anything about what happened. It's like, just leave that shit in 2018. I'm so tired of it.
0: Like you're, You're really asking for the worst for Serena with this behavior because... What, like, what do you want? Do you want them to meet in the Australian Open final and for Naomi to beat her badly and then be like, say something? Right. No, like, and then Serena and be like, has to apologize yeah, be like,
1: in the trophy ceremony.
0: I'm that bitch. Serena, you did me wrong. <laughs> you apologize to me now.
1: <laughs> no, the thing is... So when Serena ends Margaret Court's records, this is, this is what they'll have. So it's about building ammunition and moving the goalposts. It's about, well... If she wasn't on drugs, then sure, she beat the records, but she is a horrible person. Like, it's just bit by bit. You just can't have Serena exist. That that's not possible. So you have to denigrate her and her achievements. And if you can't denigrate her achievements, you can denigrate her character. It's a it's a project.
0: I thought we're still talking about Rena's army here. And Naomi.
1: Oh, well, I wanted to give, you know, a, a well-rounded view. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that you specifically want the fandoms to just sit there and eat their food. All of them. Every single one. Just sit there and eat your food. When your fave is playing well, cheer and celebrate, and then just move on. Like, I'm just so... T- i told you the other day, like, Tennis Twitter lately has really been sucking all of the joy out of Tennis for me. Maybe I'm just not following the right people. I don't know. Folks are so
0: entrenched in their camps... With respect to their faves, and with all of them getting so much older now, and with such diminished time for them to be in tennis, the stakes are higher mm-hmm. for the rest of their that careers. That has to be part of it, and so right? it's it's galvanizing their respective fan bases to just act wild. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's just gotten so like sectarian. I, it's just not it's not fun. The other thing we wish for in 2019, the
0: Australian Open is coming, which means. Mr. Tennis Sangren has a lot of points coming off of his ranking. And uh, subsequent to that, he shall be, uh, how shall we say, back in the United States, in the Midwest, back on the Challenger circuit. And um, we hopefully won't have to live
1: through that again. (laughs) You're wishing that into existence? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm just, I'm a cynic, so I'm waiting for the next like alt-right superstar to emerge from the United States?
0: I mean, after the Australian Open, one of the other American men would be like, I got you, boo. Right. (laughs) Things we're keeping an eye on in 2019, we're definitely keeping an eye on the Serena Naomi thing outside the tennis. We're also keeping an eye on Naomi on court. She made the semifinals in Brisbane this week. A good showing, had some good, cute results. But then, admittedly, she took to Twitter to tell us that she was not proud of her performance on court in the semifinal and that her attitude stunk mm-hmm. and that she's going to be working on it and she hopes to do better.
1: Oh, I forgot. One of my wishes for 2019 is that Patrick Mouratoglou becomes a less central figure in all of our lives. Okay. I won't take it any further than that. I just want to see less of him. That will not happen. <laughs> I can assure you that will not happen. <laughs> but no, you know what? I, I just hope that He's working for Serena pro bono because she has built his empire single-handedly. What's What would be the point of paying him?
0: How, back to the matter <laughs> at hand. <laughs> How does Naomi back up her 2018? Do we see progression or regression?
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of a sophomore slump. Naomi, as we can see, is a player who can turn it on like crazy when necessary and be almost unbeatable she's also a player who at the beginning of last year was ranked somewhere around the 70s you know she has had really bad stretches before she played pretty poorly in Cincinnati when we watched her Uh, she struggles with I think she just struggles with confidence not on the tennis court but uh, like interpersonally and I think sometimes she can be a little too open with her insecurities
0: Mm, see, I see that as a strength of hers. Mm. And I have not seen any changes in her personally. In, no, no since, that's consistent though. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying that her, she needs to keep that. That will only help her. Okay. And the fact that she's able to come out right away and make a semifinal after all that. You know, having had time to maybe process everything in the off season, that's good. She's coming out here looking fitter. Like she's done a lot of work mm. in the offseason. I only see things getting better for her. Her first big stretch of points to defend are at... Indian Wells, where she's the tight list. There's no reason why she can't make a deep run at the Australian Open and maybe make a dent on clay for the first time. She's got opportunities in the first half of the season to cement
1: her spot in the top 10. Mm -hmm. You have here Simona and her coaching situation. As we've talked about, she and Darren Cahill have split up for now. She is currently without a coach, as far as I know. And Courtney Nguyen tweeted uh, today, I think, An interview with Simona and uh, just remarked that I was curious to hear a sitting world number one talk about how tennis is not, it's not what is preoccupying her at every second of every day like it used to, which I feel may be kind of a coping mechanism for Simona, right? It it could be a good thing.
0: Could be maturing. Mm -hmm. So she's got the Australian Open finals to defend, the French Open title to defend. How does she maintain her top spot in women's tennis without a coach. That's something we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Serena and Patrick, you just talked about that. You want to see less of Patrick. I think that Serena is poised to have a big year. She's putting on a lot of time on court. Every opportunity she's hitting with whichever ATP player she can find. She's already hit with Dimitrov, already hit with Tsitsipas in Melbourne. And that's just Melbourne. Mm. And she looks very fit. Has three wins under her belt at the Hotman Cup, carried Tiafo <laughs> in uh-huh. all three matches. They lost all three, but she won all three of her singles matches. Yep,
1: I think she's very, very pissed about the Wimbledon final. I think she's not going to be caught, not ready for someone like Kerber again.
0: Venus is somebody that we're keeping an eye on in 2019. There were worrying signs in the offseason about the future of her career. Oh my god. Lots of worrying signs. yes. We get this news that she's firing her team, but it's uncertain as to what that means for, you know, continuing to play. We can't get any confirmation, blah, blah, blah. And she shows up right away in Auckland. She Well, she goes to Abu Dhabi with Serena, beats her, an <laughs> exhibition. Everybody beats Serena in exhibitions. We know this <laughs> at this point. But then she goes on to Auckland and has a couple decent results. Looks refreshed, looks eager. It's crazy to me that she looks so eager in 2019. Mm -hmm. And the interest is something that we're going to continue to keep a look out for in 2019. We have to keep an eye on Rafa. All those guys coming back, Andy Murray, Del Potro, Wawrinka still coming back. Not quite there, Barrett coming back. And the other thing that we're going to be keeping an eye on is the older players who are making their way back into the game, up the rankings. Zvonareva back in the top 100, Ernest Gulbis is now top 80 again. Like, he's, he's had a long road back, and he's still only 30 years old. There are so many different players, types of players, players from many different eras ago. You know, there are all these moving parts to the the tennis makeup still to this day that, that makes the week-to-week watching so interesting.
1: Yeah, I think, I fear that we could see a lot of big farewells at this year's U.S. Open. Like, Big, big time ones.
0: What is our year end? This is a prediction part mm-hmm. of the show. We're going to give you our top 10 predictions. I think we went back and looked at our 2018 predictions and we both got 6 out of 10, right?
1: We did this for WTA only last year. Okay. And we did we it did fairly well, especially because the WTA was in such flux last year. I feel that it is maybe a, a slightly more stable this t- this time. On the women's side, my top
0: 10 at the end of the year, I have to remind you this is year-end. It's going to be Simona Halep, Pliskova, Serena, Kerber, Sabalenka, Osaka, Muguruza, Gerges, Sloan Stevens, and my big wild card, you got to have one wild card, Donna Vekic. Which means I have five of the year-end top 10 from 2018 exiting the 2019 year-end rankings. Mm-hmm. And those five are Svidalina... Kvetova, Wozniaki,
1: Burtons, and Kazatkina. That's pretty bold to put Muguruza back in the top 10, considering how she's been playing lately.
0: Sure, but when, <laughs> I, when I
1: think about this, for
0: somebody to make the top 10, they have to have at least one really deep run at a major. Mm-hmm. And of all the players outside the top 10, she's the one most capable. And she doesn't have that mm-hmm. many points to defend. So if she... That's true. As she does you know, get it together for a couple of big tournaments, she's there easily. It doesn't mean that she's going to have the most mm-hmm. consistent
1: year, but I feel like she's a fairly safe bet. Okay, so mine, we share uh, seven of them, I think. So Simona, Kerber, Sloane, Naomi, Svitolina, Pliskova, Sabalenka, Serena, Elise Mertens, and Dasha Kazatkina. I think, I thought I was being bold in kicking Wozniacki out of the top 10, but you you lost her too. She is currently ranked number two, but she has the Australian Open title to defend. I fear, take no pleasure in this at all, but I do fear that that the rheumatoid arthritis could become a very serious problem, but I would be happy to be proven wrong.
0: I didn't even make this so-called prediction based on that. It's simply from a perspective of not being able to defend most of those points right away mm. at the Australian Open and then being behind the eight ball the rest right. of the year. That, right. That's it. Because let's not forget, it's not like on the men's side where you have the top 10 and it's so much more difficult to get those big points in bunches because these guys are not making deep runs consistently at the big tournaments. On the women's side, anybody can do it at any given week because there's a lot of parity between the women. Like you have the Contas of the world in the 40s, the... Cornets are down there. Like these are people. Right. Ostapenko in yeah. the
1: 30s, like recent the, Grand Slam winners.
0: On the men's side, my top 10 I have Djokovic, Nadal, Anderson, Team Zverev, Federer, Nishikori, Chorich, Medvedev, and Chilic. Which means I have Isner and Delpo out of the top 10. And it looks like we only have one difference. <laughs> on the men's mine side.
1: was exactly the same except I pitch I picked Hachanov over Chorich. Mm. Fair enough. So in 12 months, we shall see who was more correct, if either of us were even close.
0: Who are some of the breakout candidates for you in 2019?
1: Mm -hmm. I see you have a list of like a a cast of thousands here. I have several, Mm -hmm. as in two. Just two. Donna Vekic and Victoria Azarenka, who would not really be breakouts, but more comebacks. Uh, Donna Vekic had a great result in the first week here. And Victoria Azarenka, although she lost her first round match against Venus, the fact that she's back with Vimfacet is very encouraging. I think that she will not be happy with another season of mediocre tennis. I'm
0: less bullish on Azarenka despite the reunion with Vimfacet. Mm-hmm. I just don't think she's physically up to scruff. Okay. You know, like it's. We, we saw just how much weight she lost after giving birth. And mm. I, don't, I don't think that's been helpful to her tennis in being able to go toe-to-toe with these big hitters on a week-to-week mm. basis. So, I mean, that, that's absolutely something to look forward to in 2019 to see what Vika can do. Right. Like how her game and her body being different at this stage of her career, if that's able to, if she's able to, to resurrect her old magic. As you said, I have a bunch of people. I'm bullish on <laughs> Bouchard Bouchard I tweeted that yeah, you can wow. look what you did listen I said you can laugh at me now in two months in a couple months from now but I really think Bouchard is gonna have a resurgent season went on to make the quarterfinals in Auckland won the doubles title and folks are like how like she she ain't out here working like she's out here doing this doing that everything but tennis but if you really do pay attention to what Jeannie's doing yes she's doing all that other etc stuff but she's been putting in a lot of work on the tennis court even before she got together with michael joyce this has been a long time in the making and while you could make the argument that a lot of her results in her hey year i don't even want to say hey day in her hey year <laughs> was because there were a lot of people absent from the top of the game you could make that argument
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but she still had those achievements And she's too good in that regard to not at least make top 30 again. That's my reasoning there. I'm looking out for Zvonareva. I think she could be top 50 by the end of the year. This is all predicated on health, if these Mm -hmm. players stay healthy. I'm very excited about Mohova. We saw the excitement under the lights that she caused in New York at the U.S. Open. Loved her game then, and like Andreescu, a young player who at any moment, literally any week, it could click. Anisimova, arguably the most polished of the young players, still not 18, has had a bunch of big wins already, and seems very eager. If you were to pick one of the young, young players outside of Andreescu, because I made this list before this week, I would have picked her over Bianca. And on the comeback trail, again, I would go with Venus, being very encouraged with what I saw this first week in terms of the twinkle in her eye, the eagerness on court, the movement. Can we talk about the movement of Venus Williams? 38 years old, out here, traveling horizontally on the baseline like this is 2009. <laughs> it's, it was encouraging. And on the men's side, the only person that I, the only two people that I have here, as far as breakout comeback players, I have Gulbis and Berdick.
1: Players who who will struggle. How come you picked Pui? I
0: just have a feeling he's the only one I picked. <laughs> I just scanned through the list. I was like, you know, I think Luka Pui is going to struggle this year.
1: Okay, I'm not trying to jinx anybody, so I'm not going to pick anyone for that.
0: We're going to finish up this episode with our listener mailbag. We are going to kind of it's going to be like a speed bag.
1: <laughs> a speed bag. What is no, that? No, I
0: guess that sounded really bad.
1: Isn't that the thing that boxers use to train? Oh,
0: I thought it was like a drugs bag. Like uh- speed <laughs> <laughs> I was just making a play on mailbag mm-hmm. and saying okay. that we're going to do it quickly. Yeah, That's now it. it's not quick. Okay. The first question we got from Brian L. at LeeBR2000. Does Venus have one last push left in her? She definitely wants to end her career under high. Who is going to be her
1: new coach? Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. I feel like we've answered most of it throughout the episode. Who's going to be her new coach? Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if she does not appoint a coach.
0: And if she does appoint one, it likely won't be somebody that you know.
1: Right. Like not one of the the famous WTA Mm -mm. coaches. That's just not her style. I think that she'll travel with a team and some hitting partners, and that's it.
0: Does she have one last push left in her? Does that push mean winning a Grand Slam title? Uh, outside of Wimbledon, I don't think so. I don't know, but I've long learned not to discount Venus. One last push, meaning getting back to the top 20, top 10? Entirely possible, based on what I yeah. saw this week.
1: I mean, a lot of people were shocked by her 2017 Grand Slam finals. We thought that she wasn't capable of that anymore. Well, not we, but a lot of people.
0: Mm. So, who knows? From Jamie Ramsey, at Ramsey Sk Who is most likely to win a maiden slam title, ATP and WTA? and the biggest breakout star in each?
1: For a Maiden Slam title, I have to go with Sasha Zverev. I don't, I don't think that it's definitely going to happen this year, but after winning the ATP Finals and just being consistently toward the top in men's tennis, I think you have to tip him for the, for the next favorite, despite his struggles at the majors. So that's why I'm a little bit bearish right now, I think maybe in 2020, he'll be a good pick. The other one is... Bearish
0: as opposed to bullish? Exactly. Oh, is there a difference?
1: That is some Wall Street thing. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so about one charges with the head down and one with the head up.
0: Oh, trying to impale as opposed to just
1: bulldoze. No, it's about like, you know, <laughs> slopes. Up or down. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Don't do not come to us for your economics lessons. And on the women's side. Well, and George I should say. I think I don't think he will be consistently like a top five player, but I think he could win a major first. On the women's side, I'm gonna be boring and say Sabalenka. On the men's side, I'm gonna
0: say Dominic Team.
1: He's improved every
0: round at the French Open mm. the last couple of years. And if Rafa is not fit, I think he is your favorite. Djokovic be damned. Mm. Uh and on the woman's side, how can you not go with
1: Sabalenka? Right, that's how I feel. It's, it's like it's an obvious choice, but man,
0: we talked about some of our breakout candidates before, so we we won't address that part of it. Leon ninety, he asks players and rivalries to look for
1: in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. I like Barty Lenka. Ash Barty, and Arena Sabalenka. They have a budding rivalry. They played in Australia at the beginning of last year. They played at the very end of 2018. And it's such a great contrast of styles that I'd like to see more.
0: I would like to know if Tsitsipas has learned to shut his fuck up.
1: That's what I want
0: to know. (laughs) Really?
1: You want to be subjected to more Medvedev-Tsitsipas matches?
0: Yes, it's been delivering.
1: (laughs) It's hot. (laughs) Also, uh, federer Chorich. At Federer's age, it may not be a rivalry that will be consistent or have that many outings, but I would like to see more between them. For me, the big one is
0: Sloan-Simona. They have headlined women's tennis for most of the last 12 months, and they've delivered when they've played each other, looking definitely forward to that. Also, Simona and Kerber, very fun.
1: Yes, absolutely. And how about more Rafa and Dominic on clay?
0: Or on hardcore? at the U.S. Open. Like, those
1: two... That's
0: true. Those, Norm,
1: I mean, I, I'm so in the habit of discounting Dominic on hard court. The, but no more.
0: The daddy-son factor there is high with those <laughs> two.
1: Yes, uh, rival, rivalries are more than just the play on court. There are some intangibles. <laughs> Booty tangibles, if you'd like. <laughs> Slams for Serena?
0: Question mark. She looks so fit. At SFLA Tennis.
1: Well, I don't like to count my chickens before they hatch. But yes, I agree. She looks very fit, very committed. And I mean, after 23 slams, who who can count out Serena? It's a fool's errand.
0: Listen, unless she's getting to a final and playing somebody who's going to be redlining out their mind. Somebody who's giving her a look that she hasn't seen before in a final. Say she plays Sabalenka somewhere and Sabalenka is like, I ain't got no time for this. <laughs> This is my mm. moment, you know? No, if, I think, well, I'm not worried. Let me finish. Oh. I'm worried only so far as a final goes because we've seen Serena struggled in finals. But she's told us. When I heard that Serena tell, told us that one of the things that she is for 2019 is, quote, determined, I was like, well, goddamn. <laughs> Y'all better <laughs> oh, watch damn. out. Y'all better watch <laughs> out because Queen is coming.
1: Although, if she meets Kerber in the final, I'm just not watching. That... <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. There's a lot more variables that come into play now with Serena in finals. That's the X factor. But
1: it's not the power players.
0: I don't think that she'll be struggling week to week to do well. I think she'll do well at slams, and she absolutely can win. If she's able to, say, get to the final of the Australian Open and and get that bugaboo off her back and get rolling again, Mm -hmm. watch out. Cummings Goings asks, What does Canadian tennis look like for 2019? And also, is Roger going to prove that he's human finally?
1: <laughs> well, the first, the first part of that question, Canadian tennis, after the first week, it, it looks very different than it did. Andreescu is poised to, well, become the Canadian number one on the women's side. Gabby Dabrowski is still winning majors in mixed doubles and women's doubles. Somehow, she lost Canadian Player of the Year to Jeannie Bouchard even though Dabrowski had a very successful year at the majors. Um, Denis Shapovalov is is still in the metamorphosis phase, in the cocoon phase. He obviously has immense talent, and I think as he gets older and bigger, that's going to come out. Milos Physically Raonic is still around. Well. Exactly. Raonic is still around. Pospisil, unfortunately, is dealing with this back injury. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Canadian tennis is in one of the best places it's ever been.
0: For most of last year, even at the end of last year, it was still a discussion of, well, men's tennis is really thriving in Canada, but where are the women at? Mm -hmm. And in the span of seven days, that's changed. Because Andreescu is here on the cusp of the top 100, beating three straight, what, top 60 players? Yep, four straight top 60 players. And two former number ones back-to-back in Wozniacki and Venus. She has arrived, and Bouchard is resurgent. Mm-hmm. so there's that to look forward to when the woman said there's a lot more parity. The men still have a, it's more top heavy for them with Raonic still in the top twenty five as well as shop of olive. We also have Felix on the come right. up as well there is mean... there's an endless supply now of young stars in in canadian tennis it's It's an exciting time, so the answer to that question is what was the question? What does Canadian <laughs> tennis look like for twenty nineteen It looks very bright mm-hmm.
1: and I wonder if the Canadian Romanian community is going to embrace Andreescu like they have halep. Begu and Halep. I'll be eager to see that this year at the Rogers Cup.
0: Is Roger gonna prove that he's human finally? I think he's proved that. Mm-hmm. I today. think, and yeah. it's made him more
1: endearing. The second the second part of his twenty eighteen really after Indian Wells showed that um, him managing his schedule meticulously because he knows his limitations. But
0: even in the preceding three to four years where he wasn't winning slams, he'd proven he was human then. Yeah. You know, that's been one of the, the fun parts, I imagine, if you're a Federer fan over the last couple of years, is to see him come back from that.
1: Mm-hmm. Because 2017, he was nearly infallible. Mm hmm. Top Smash asks Is this the year
0: an ATP next gen player will step up and win a slam?
1: It's quite possible. We keep saying, like, every year it's like, it's going to happen. It's got to happen soon, right? I think 2019, it is very possible if Djokovic doesn't win all of them.
0: If you notice, answering the question before about which of the AT players to win is the one that's going to win their maiden slam next, I went with team. I didn't go with that younger crop because I do not think it's going to happen mm. in 2019. It's still, the, the trajectory of men's tennis has been skewing older for a while now. And I just don't see a next-gen player winning a, winning a slam in 2019. Uh-huh. Or Powell. Or a uh, very, what shall we say? Or very shady... But committed. Pal. Brie mm-hmm. at For the Tennis. Queen of the Sloan Hive. Director. General. General. She asks, what are the odds that Sloan will regain her finals mojo in 2019? See, that's a very clever question. Because it's not just what are the odds <laughs> that Sloan wins a slam or wins other tournaments, she wants to let you know, remind you that Sloane was once 5-0 or 6-0 and impregnable. 6-0, yes. The fortress was impregnable in finals previously. So having done that, Bri, we see you.
1: I like the assumptions are built into the question, which I like. Mm-hmm. I think it's very likely, very likely, that Sloane will regain her finals mojo. She is a tough customer. I think it's likely that Sloane will make many finals in 2019. And I think she'll probably win a lot of them. Okay. To go six in a row again will be a lot because now she's making big time finals.
0: When I tweeted that Jeannie was going to make a comeback, Brie wanted to know wanted clarification as to what constitutes <laughs> a comeback. Is it staying inside the top one hundred? Mm. Which which would be an improvement? No. Because she's finished the year top 85 the last two years. She did?
1: Yes. Lies. We
0: just talked about this a couple episodes ago. So, I would like clarification from you, Bri as to what mojo means. Are you asking, will she be unbeatable in 2019 in finals? I don't think so. Will she still be a top five talent challenging for number one? Absolutely. Will she make deep runs in slams? Absolutely. Will she be more than 50 finals due to the parity and the strength in women's tennis? I don't know. That's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> that's all?
0: That's, that's all. That was kind of a lot, though. Well, that that's it. <sighs> What's next on the docket? Fabian wants to know, what new change or rule are you hoping gets reversed in 2019?
1: That's a good question. Fabian is a friend of ours, has been around forever. Um my the change that i hope gets reversed is that every new atp cup that's been instituted i hope it fails sorry i i can't disagree there right like the rule changes the the more microcosm things about about the game itself uh i don't know if it's like the new year the optimism that comes with a new year i'm just less concerned about that stuff
0: rose mercier asks, which player, if healthy for a full year, could make the greatest impact on the season? Andy Murray? Anybody more appropriate for that response than Andy Murray?
1: Yeah, you took mine. The other one is Wawrinka. Sure. Right, because uh, he is a riddle that Djokovic can't always solve, which I think is, is one of the biggest stories going into this year, is who will beat Djokovic at a major? Anyone?
0: Which storyline from 2018 will continue into 2019? And
1: this is from at Dennis TMDC. Dennis, who, by the way, won singles and doubles in his tournament this weekend in Perth. Good on you. Very impressive. Which storyline? Sadly, the Serena Naomi storyline will and has continued in 2019. One that I I would like to see continue is the Simona Sloan rivalry. Okay.
0: I will... I will say that this, this trend of multiple different slam winners, what we've had eight in a row that are different on the women's mm. side of the increasing parity on tour, the bottlenecking, if you will, in the top 50, it will continue. I don't see shy of Serena going on a rampage in 2019, anybody truly breaking away from the pack. Simona may very well maintain her number one ranking, but as far as being the truly dominant player in 2019, I think we'll see uh, a revisiting of of what we went through in 2018, where there really was no one clear-cut player of the year. Anything on the men's side as far as a storyline to continue into 2019?
1: Well, I think Djokovic's dominance is something that will probably continue through most of the year. When he won four in a row in 2016, it was hard to see him ever stop winning you remember and then he lost to query at wimbledon uh we're in a a similar position i think it's it's hard to see him slowing down and of course it will happen Uh, i just wonder if and (laughs) if it happens in 2019
0: i think we will continue to see the next gen those on the back end of the next gen and those who've just graduated from next gen that two-year cluster they'll continue to push Mm mm-hmm And I think by 2020, 2020 is the year where we're going to see, like, a whole bunch of crazy wild shit happening on the ATP Tour.
1: And I actually feel strongly that a lot of the top players will have retired. You do? In 2020,
0: yeah. Before the Olympics or after the Olympics? At the end of the year? No,
1: I think before.
0: Oh, okay. On that very sour, dour... (laughs) (laughs) You see what I have to live with here? It's always gloom and doom. Oh my god.
1: So thank you for coming back for season five. Mm -hmm. We are so humbled and proud that people are still around and care what we have to say. And uh, man, it's 145 episodes and still going.
0: We're working on some other stuff for 2019. Not ready to divulge stuff about that yet. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. My name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at Tennis underscore
1: John. I'm James at Elliot JMR.
0: The podcast is on Twitter at The Body Serve, as well as on Instagram at The Body Serve. Thank you to everybody who's given a review in the last few weeks. We tweeted on Christmas Day saying all we want for Christmas is an iTunes review, and some of you obliged, so thank you. (laughs) And if you are new to the show, old to the show, and have yet to review us on iTunes, Again, that is one of the tangible ways that you can help us build the profile of the show. And we encourage you to do that. Thanks for listening. Till next time.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.